Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Well, you and I have made it. Congratulations. You and I have made it through an entire year. And I say that because this is, as Jay said a few minutes ago, the last Sunday in the church year. It's all over as of this service. And then next Sunday, we're going to start all over again with the first Sunday in Advent. And there's one important question to ask on the last Sunday of the church year. So here it is. Have you ever met a king? Let me just ask, just raise your hand, anybody here who has actually met a king. I'm not seeing any hands there. Up here, any? One? Can I ask who? Prince Charles? Well, he's been waiting to be a king for 60 years. (laughs) He may make it. His mom is 93 or 94, but uh, all right. Well... I ask that question because this morning we are giving thanks for Jesus in his role as our king. Christ the king is always the focus on the last Sunday in the church year. Now, my own experience of kings is limited to one evening almost 50 years ago. It was my sister's birthday. We were teenagers And for her present, my mom and dad took us into Boston to see the musical play Camelot. Richard Burton played King Arthur. Uh, Julie Andrews played Queen Guinevere. Robert Goulet played Sir Lancelot. And it was a wonderful evening. As you may know, the play has a really sad ending. So that afterwards, on the sidewalk outside the theater, I mean, all of us stood there crying, and my dad blew his nose and said to my sister, well, happy birthday. (laughs) But I want to remind you of the story of Camelot, because the contrast between the kingship of Arthur and the kingship of Jesus points to the good news that comes in the doors of this church to our hearts right here this morning. If you know the story, you may recall that King Arthur wants to use his kingly power to create this perfect kingdom. He wants a land where love and justice and peace are sustained forever. He wants a land where every person is equal. That's why when he builds a table for his knights to sing at, uh, to sit at, he makes it a round table, the knights of the round table, so that no one knight can lord it over any of the others. And there's a song early in uh, the musical that describes a law that's passed by King Arthur to make even the weather perfect. The song says this. And then the song ends. In short, there's simply not a more convenient spot for happy ever aftering 
than here in Camelot. And it sounds pretty good. I mean, it's pretty natural, in fact, for all of us to be yearning for a Camelot and for a King Arthur in which all of our fears are just going to fade away like the morning dew and all of our hopes and all of our dreams are going to finally be fulfilled and we will live happily ever after. Well, even if you don't know the story, it probably won't come as much of a surprise to learn that Arthur gets into trouble. Sir Lancelot shows up. He takes a shine to Arthur's wife, Queen Guinevere. The knights get bored with being good, and they ride off lustily to war. And at the very end, it's all wrapped up in one last song. Camelot has been destroyed The king has been defeated, and the curtain falls on a battlefield as Arthur is dying. He's been mortally wounded by Lancelot. And in this final moment, King Arthur turns to a young court page, and he sings this. I mean, no wonder all of us were crying at the end of the play. And all of us standing out there on that sidewalk with uh, my sister and my mom and dad, we would be crying not just for the sad ending of a play. We would be crying for all of the Camelots and all of the fleeting wisps of glory that have faded. And the phrase, it's too late might become our mantra. Too late in a faded Camelot to get that education you wish you always had. Too late in a faded Camelot to do your job better the next time. Too late in a faded Camelot to connect with your children. Too late in a faded Camelot to break that addiction. Too late in a faded Camelot to say, I'm sorry. Too late in a faded Camelot to make something fine of your life. And on this last Sunday in the church year, and in the very midst of all of our too lateness, there comes a voice into Calvary Church this morning. And it is a voice that speaks with authority. And it is a voice that announces that a new kind of king has moved into the, uh, the neighborhood. In today's gospel, Pilate asks Jesus if he's the old kind of king. 
the Camelot kind of king, the King Arthur kind of king. And what does Jesus say? He says, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom has nothing to do with knights in shining armor. My kingdom is not a fleeting wisp of earthly glory. He says that his kingdom is the one that welcomes home with open arms those who are saying it's too late. Because after all, on an earthly level, it is too late for Jesus. He's been arrested. His execution is sure. It is way, way too late. Except what you and I know is that if Jesus had wanted, he could have just avoided this entire mess. He could have climbed down from the cross. He could have moved up to Galilee. He could have lived to a ripe old age and people would come to seek wisdom from the old master. He had the power. He could have done it. He chose the cross. And he made that choice for one reason and one reason only. He chose it in order that it might not ever be too late for you and for me. Every ounce of the final pain of too lateness was set on his shoulders on the cross. On the cross, God killed futility. So, Here's a little story. It's a true story. It's told by a man named Max Licado. And Max was a missionary for several years in Brazil. For a certain period of time, he lived in a very poor village, and he got to know two people especially, a woman named Maria and her young daughter, Rosa. Maria's husband had died when Rosa was a little girl, And then 15 years later, when Rosa was old enough to help to work with her mother, she didn't. Rosa did not want to work. Rosa wanted to go to the city. And she dreamed about trading in that dusty old village for all of those wonderful city lights. And Maria, the mom, would tell Rosa with a kind of pleading in her voice what it was really like there in the city. People won't know you in the city. Jobs are hard to find. What would you do for a living? And the fact was that Rosa knew exactly what, uh, Maria knew exactly what Rosa would have to do for a living, what she would have to do to survive. And that's why Maria cried out one morning when she woke up and she found that Rosa's bed was empty. She threw on some clothes. She gathered up all the money she could find. She ran out of the house. And on her way to the bus stop, she went into a drugstore. And she sat down in a photography booth, one of those old booths where you used to be able to take your picture. And she spent all that she had on pictures of herself. And then with the photos, she got on the bus. Maria knew that Rosa had no way of earning money. And she also knew that when pride meets hunger, human beings will do things that normally are unthinkable. And so Maria began her search in bars and in hotels and in nightclubs. And she always left her photograph, taped to a bathroom mirror, tacked on a hotel bulletin board, stuck to a phone booth. And then the pictures and the money ran out, 
and Maria went home. And several weeks later, Maria came down some hotel stairs. And her lovely face was just exhausted. And her brown eyes radiated a kind of pain, a kind of fear. And her laughter was gone, and her visions of life in the big city had really turned into nightmares. Over and over in the past few days, she had longed to trade in those countless beds for her own bed at home. But in a lot of different ways, it was too late. It was way too late. When Rosa got to the bottom of the hotel stairs, her eyes spotted a familiar face. And there on the lobby mirror was a photograph of her mother. And she walked across, and she pulled off the photo, and she turned it over, and she found these words written on the back of the photo. Whatever you have done, whatever you have become, it doesn't matter. I love you. Please come home. And she did. For Rosa, for you, for me. There is the voice of a new king here in this church this morning. It is a king who has traded a crown for a cross and is a king who says, I love you. Please come home. Come home to the ending of your futility. Come home to the beginnings of your hope. All you have to do is ask. Because in the kingdom of God, it is never too late. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.